Welcome to Not Safe for Work Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Zapor. I'm joined by our co-host, Matt Brufi. What's up? Jared Hodges. Yo. Today we have a special guest, Angelo. Hello, Bashara. That's my, you don't know my last name? No. <laughs> <laughs> my last name is Bashara. You're a master's student at George Washington University? Yes, I am. Awesome. So, yeah. You live in D.C., right? I live in Washington, D.C., yes, our nation's capital. Mm-hmm. I'm originally from this uh, beautiful South Jersey area. I'm proud to call it home. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I ha- I'm happy that I drove all the way here just to be on this uh, podcast with you guys. Well, you're a very yeah. important guest, man. We wanted somebody with good expertise on here. Yes, we know you do have a lot of expertise, so just don't run us into the ground with your knowledge, all right? Don't, I, don't embarrass I, us too much. It's not, it's, not, it's not about that. It's about having a fruitful discussion yes, like around it. the table, and that's yeah. what we should be doing more about politics yeah, nowadays. absolutely. Fruitful. Fruit. I like that word. With some knowledge, yeah. backing it up. Who invited know? Jared? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> It's oh, like, uh, what do they say in Hot Tub Time Machine? There's a group of friends. They ha- always have an asshole. He's our asshole. <laughs> I am not the asshole. That's true. Uh, that is Joe. Joe is <laughs> our sorry, asshole. I already knew that was going. Joe is our asshole. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny this accusation. So uh, what else do you do down there in D.C.? So, I know, like I followed your Instagram. You always do. You're doing a bunch of shit. So, um, I mean, I, I first moved to D.C. in 2015 for an internship at the Department of State. Um, I worked there for about the whole summer, and then I moved back to Jersey, and I finished my degree at Stockton, got my mas- uh, my, my bachelor's in political <laughs> science and French, um, and then decided to get my master's right after. And so I get my, I'm doing my master's in Middle East Studies at George Washington, um, and I'll be done in May, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, and uh, I did another internship at the Department of State, and now I, I, you know, intermittently still consult with a lot of the people at the department, and... I write a lot on Middle East affairs. Uh, try I have um, a few things published, a few op-eds on various happenings in the Middle East, um, and that's how, that's how I fill my time right now uh, until I get my degree. I also bartend part time. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I get a little bit of that in there. Yeah. Right? Mission Navy Yard. If you're ever in D.C., I'll make you this the finest margarita you've ever. Had. <laughs> <laughs> so, is your goal eventually to run for public office or? Um, so, so running for public office wasn't something that I wanted to do, um, when I was in college, um, because I thought, you know, politics is all about schmoozing and, and mostly like ass kissing and and it's not what I'm in the business for. I, I want to help people, but eventually down the road, if, if I find a way to be able to do that, run for office with my morals and ethics intact and I don't have to give up who I am to do it, Right. I might consider it. But for now, my main goal is to join the Foreign Service. Uh, I want to serve uh, our country in the Foreign Service. Not a lot of people know what the Foreign Service is. Yeah, can you um, explain that a little more? So the United, the United States Department of State has, uh, well, the United States has embassies all over the world. We have right. diplomatic relations with about 163 countries. Right. Uh, in each of those countries, we have embassies and consulates. Right. Um, and in those embassies and consulates work Foreign Service officers. And they're uh, civilians who take a test. Uh, take an oath once they get sworn in and then they get sent off on three-year tours to various countries to do different jobs and continue the mission of the United States in various countries. Every country has an embassy abroad. Um, We have, you know, all of those countries we have a relationship with. They have an embassy in Washington, Mm -hmm. D.C. And we have those embassies um, abroad. And each embassy has an ambassador. My dream, dream job is to be the United States ambassador to Lebanon. That's my other home, my home yeah. country. 
Mm-hmm. So my parents are from, so where I'm from. Interesting. So yeah, it's something I've never really known, and you just broadened my horizon. Mind blown. Yeah, never, never knew about it. Well, well, that's why now in DC, actually, they just opened up the new United States Diplomacy Center um, at the State Department. It's going to be the first. It, it's not open to the public yet. It's going to be the first museum to highlight United States diplomacy in action, and to show the American public that that there are Americans sacrificing their lives in dangerous uh, combat zones right. and in various parts of the world, and not just in the military. And right. and that's not a knock to the military. The military, Department of Defense, and Department of State work hand in hand. And the Department of State actually does all the diplomacy, does all the negotiating, the soft power first, so that we don't have to resort to the military as the final option. Put, you know, um, you know, gentlemen like you who are in in the military service on the front lines in danger. So we try and solve it peacefully first before right. we get to that point. So when you say that, that makes me think of like North Korea. Uh-huh. And there must have been a ton of Department of State involvement in that because mm-hmm. it didn't get to the point where it was Department of Defense where we had to use the military. Um, do you know anything about that process, like that particular process that the issues pertaining to North Korea, particularly, I guess, last year when yes. it got heated? So, so when, when, we, when we engage with any kind of country in the world diplomatically, um, it's first, first off, it's, it's very difficult because you have to bear in mind that the United States wants to engage in a way that does not impede on the sovereignty of another country. So right. we want them to willingly come to the table and have a discussion with us, a, a fruitful discussion. That's the word that Jared likes. I <laughs> uh, see so giggles when I say it. It's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, the bar we have. Okay. Right. Um, no, but, uh, and once we have once with north korea particularly it's hard because we don't have a diplomatic relationship with them we don't have an embassy there so our closest was to go to south korea right. and work with the south koreans so the south koreans were able to broker something with the north koreans so the united states acted as a mediator to try and get those two to the table and we and we successfully were able to get uh them to uh to 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 talk together i don't know what came out of it i don't think a lot came out of it it was just a little bit of de-escalation right, right. um just the fact that they even got we're able to sit down and, and talk to begin yeah, with is, is a yeah. milestone you know yeah. you know a lot of people a lot of people want to uh want to knock down the president for like oh it was just all you know a photo op and just for a show like nothing really happened i'm like you know i i agree with that half halfway agree with that because i i don't think that the the job is done there uh, but no, I, they still think have Dukes, it, man. I, I think it's the, it, it's a first it's a first step in the right direction, which which is something that hasn't been able to be accomplished for a long time. Though, oh, North oh, Korea, oh, you know? yeah. Well, I remember in particular because I was there. I was in uh, South Korea from like January to May of last year, mm-hmm. and that's when it was really hot over there. You know, it was yeah. there was a lot of missile tests. There was a ton of missile tests like while we were there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were really nervous, and I know there's certain things I probably like can't elaborate too much on, but it got to the point where um, you know, a lot of people were really worried and commanders were using, I guess, more colorful language than they usually would. We were kind of expecting, hey, if it's going to go down, it's going to go down while we're here. So be ready. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it didn't get to that point, I think, you know, the State Department, you know, whether it's Trump or in particular the State Department deserves a lot of credit for that. There's a lot of people that were really nervous about that. Like I had people from home texting me like, be safe, be safe, You know, do whatever you have to do, hide or whatever. 
There's nothing. I, there's nothing I could have done. But right, yeah. if if it if it wouldn't have gone off over there, I probably would have been dead immediately. But. Oh yeah. I I think the main issue in North Korea, and I think it's also not to mention, you know, I I did give like half credit to to the president of the United States for that, but at the same time, I think um, North Korea is also backed into a corner where they actually have to now talk to the outside world right. mm-hmm. and get. Um, you know, increase their trade, increase their uh, connectivity with the world, because eventually, if they continue to do those nuclear tests, mm-hmm. they continue to to extract all those uh, resources from their from their area. It's act the their their whole land is going to collapse on itself, and right. they're going to have really really bad pollution. So in a way, Kim Jong Un was also f- kind of. F- is seeing the long term is saying if I stay isolated out here and I don't start bridging some gaps between the people who are my enemies, I'm going to be left backed into a corner. Right. So that was another thing that you know we we forget this. We we always make it seem that oh it's the United States that right. did this amazing thing, but at the same time they're also desperate. Which I guess brings the, brings the question: Was that a long time coming? Like, do you think that it would have happened whether or not? The, the Trump Trump was in office, you know, is that something that was going to happen I mean, regardless? I, th- I think nuclear de- de-escalation, nuclear non-proliferation is something that's been on the United States' agenda for, for, for a, a very time. long time. Yeah. Right. But I also think the United States is hypocritical in that matter. And I, yeah, and I say that because as we ask the world to uh, denuclearize, we continue our nuclear arsenal and our, right. our nuclear program. And it's not like it's 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 um, shrinking. Right. It's um, continuing to grow. And it's not growing at the fast rates that it was in the Cold War, the highest peak yeah. that we had growth in nuclear arsenals during the Cold War. But, you know, we still have our nuclear programs. And it's kind of hypocritical when we go and we say, okay, Iran... You can't have nuclear weapons, but we're gonna build twenty. Yep. <laughs> like, mm. yeah. So, so maybe, maybe we should all just, you know, take a step back. Say right? no to nukes. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a good say idea. Say no yeah. to nukes. God, that should be theirs new uh, right, thing. Right. God forbid. I mean, you see one nuke going across yeah. the skies, it, all hell's gonna break loose, and everybody's gonna be sending nukes off. It's the it's the end. Then. It's the end of civilization as yeah. you know it, and especially with the technology today. Yeah. The delivery capabilities. Um. The, the delivery capabilities are insane. I mean, the most heartbreaking thing I saw was when I went last November to uh, Japan. I was fortunate enough to travel to Hiroshima and see and go see the site where the United States bombed Japan uh, the end of World War II. And uh, they, ha- they call it the Peace Memorial. And, the Peace uh, Dome, right? I think I've yeah, read about the, that. The Peace Dome mm-hmm. and the Peace Memorial. And they have a, they have a flame that's lit up and... Uh, the it says under it in Japanese and don't quote me on this not exactly <laughs> but um, this light will continue to shine until there is not a single nuclear weapon on the face of the earth and uh, we were kind of uh, worried to go there as Americans we didn't right. know how the Japanese are going to receive us mm-hmm. but um, I've never seen uh, such uh, compassionate and uh, forgiving people like the Japanese they're amazing people and um, they they explained to us and i saw the museum and i saw the heartbreak and the devastation that that caused and i wished i i pray to god every day that nothing like that ever happens to anybody anyone right no one no even even our worst enemies do not deserve nuclear weapons because our enemy might be one person or a party in another country but you know not the innocent you know kids and and women and 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 families, families yeah. who just want to live a normal life right. you know there's right yeah 
and and are now affected through because no, you you can't be accurate enough with with nuclear weaponry to to no. only take out certain targets. The, the, it it would destroy so much more than you would ever imagine. You know? And the lasting the lasting effects of right. it, like the radioactivity that'll right. stay in the water and the air and all of that, it's it's completely devastating. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I didn't know you went out there. Yeah, I went there for a Model United Nations conference okay. uh, with Stockton. Okay. Um, we uh, Model United Nations is another amazing program that more kids should get involved with. If if you have people in college, you know, kids in college or even in high school that you know want to learn about the world and see other countries, get involved in Model UN. You just get to simulate the United Nations. Each team gets a a country assignment. You prepare all year long. You go to this conference. And uh, you sit at a negotiating table like you are at the United Nations playing the role of that country. So, you know, I never knew anything about Madagascar, you know, besides the, the Pixar movie. Right. You know, <laughs> until I got an assignment to be Madagascar mm-hmm. at a conference in New York. And I, got, I learned that the, the richest vanilla comes of the, in the world comes from Madagascar. Interesting. And they have, they have a huge uh, market of export for right, vanilla. Right. And um, that's how their economy thrives off of it. And Madagascar is a beautiful island off the coast of Africa. Interesting. Um, and I learned so much about it and how their diplomats are really engaged in the world system. It's something that I, all I knew about Madagascar, again, was like, I like to move it yeah. <laughs> That's it. And, it's so, and that's such an ignorant thing. Like, right. we're laughing about uh, it. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, we need, we need to become global citizens. Right. We yeah. see the world. Model UN helps to do that. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are so... Um, confined to, to everything around them, people that don't have the opportunity to travel and to experience so much more of the world that, that don't realize how much more there is to the world, you know, how many how many different cultures there are throughout the world and how, how much different life is in a different part of the world that some some people never get to experience that may now have the opportunity to do so through Model, Model UN, which is interesting. We're, we're blind to that in the United States, I think, uh, many times, um, mostly because of our geography. There, there are two factors to our blindness to cultural differences here. It's because we're born in the United States. Um, you know, our neighbors might be, their, their, their heritage is from Vietnam and our other neighbors uh, from India, other neighbors from China, other from the Middle East. And we just, that's normal. You know, that's like, we walk around, everyone's right. from somewhere right. else. The melting pot. Yeah, and it's, it's something that doesn't really force us to see um we we don't realize difference so when i lived in i lived in lebanon in the middle east for nine years and when i lived there if we saw like if we saw a black person we definitely knew they were tourists like there there's no black people in lebanon there's no asian people in lebanon like when when we saw someone who looked asian we're like whoa that's a tourist Mm -hmm. because everyone kind of looked like me there's like a little tan little white you know confuse us with italians but (laughs) or not but yeah, so that's and that's and the other factor in the United States is that we don't start uh, teaching foreign language and culture at an early age. Right. We start in like the sixth, seventh grade. That's when uh, a child is not is in a point where they're starting to go through all their changes and they put up obstacles in their head. And they say like, oh, I don't need this. Like, why should I learn this? And I'm right. just doing this as a requirement for high school. Right. But if they start, if they start when they're when they're very young. I bet every single person in this country would be fluent in another language. Right. 
And the importance of that isn't just learning another language, because when you learn another language, you learn the culture and you open your mind to a completely different lens right. and point of view. And it's the most beautiful thing when we can all see the nuances in between different languages right. and between our cultures. It's, it's truly fascinating. Yeah, I mean, when, when I lived in Florida, I was, was working retail in uh, in Orlando, and uh, a lot of the tourists were... were um, Portuguese they're coming mm -hmm. up you know Brazilian and Portuguese and they were all speaking Portuguese mm -hmm. and uh and I wasn't able to converse with them at all you know I mean Spanish is obviously different than Portuguese Portuguese right sorry <laughs> no I'm but, not saying no, <laughs> I'm messing around no but it created a barrier between us because then I couldn't co converse with them and get to know anything about them at all because mm -hmm. I couldn't speak their language you yeah. know in, in Lebanon when you're when you're a kid uh you're in preschool you learn English Arabic and French simultaneously at the same level um, they're not foreign languages. You learn right. them at, at the same level and rate. You get to a point where you have to write essays and do literature of Arabic, French, and English. And, 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 when, and see, it's, it's all converse, like it, it's all inverse. When I was in Lebanon, we used to joke around in French class. We didn't take it seriously. We were like, oh, this is stupid. And the kids right. who went to the French schools, like, oh, English is stupid. We shouldn't really right. know. Or, or they said, like, oh, this is stupid. We shouldn't do <laughs> <know> this. <laughs> um, but then when I moved to the U.S., I uh, moved to EH, I moved back. So I was born here, lived here in Atlantic City for about seven years, moved to Lebanon, and then came back here. When I came back to EHT high school, junior year, um, I, went, I, I enrolled in French because it was the easiest thing. I had to do the two-year requirement. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I saw, like, how much everyone was eager. Like, they were eating that stuff off the spoon. Like, they right. wanted to learn French. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when I realized the true value of what I was learning in Lebanon when I saw kids my age who couldn't speak fluent French. And to me, it was so easy. Right. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying this because I was fortunate enough to be in an atmosphere where that was normal. Came here. It's not. And I was like, something needs to change. Right. right. And I think if you going back to when you asked me if I'd ever run for public office, if I ran for public office, I'm, gonna, I'm putting this right now. I'm starting bullet number one on my agenda. Foreign language instruction as a requirement at a very young age. And we can't get too specific yet because we need to look at the resources and the right. logistics. Right. But a, definitely a younger age than we are at now so we can continue right. to move forward in our ever-globalizing world. Right, and break down some of those barriers that exist. Yeah, break down those walls. Ha, speaking of walls. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, uh, what I wanted to ask you is if, you know, we're millennials, we hate labels and shit. But if you had to label yourself with a political party or a political ideology, do you know what that would be? Or are you still exploring that? I, I consider myself an independent. Okay. Um, I'm an independent. And um, a lot of people, um, most of the stuff that I, I socially, because socially I lean more with the Democratic Party. Okay. Um, but fiscally and economically I lean you know, closer to the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. And I think there are fantastic people on both sides of the aisle, on all sides with different point of, points of view. Right. And I label myself as an independent proudly because um, the only way to achieve progress is to bring everyone to the table and be in the middle. Once we're so polarized, either to the left or the right, nothing will ever get done because right. we'll continuously butt heads. Right. And that's, that's not how we move forward as a society. How and different is that from... I'm sorry, Joe. Um, how different is that from, uh, say, libertarianism? 
So, I mean, it, it, libertarianism is just a, 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 a different version of uh, conservatism, and it's just a different ideology. I mean, um, libertarians like Rand Paul um, consider themselves part of the Republican Party. Right. But they have just a, a little bit of a deferring uh, view from them. Okay. So, it's, it's, it's all, it's, libertarians are, in my point of view, they're closer um, to the middle. But the thing is, we can't just say libertarians are closer to the middle mm -hmm. because individuals are where they put themselves on the spectrum. Right. So, like, pe pe people like, like Bernie Sanders... Senator Sanders is, I consider him on the far left. Okay. He's, he's a far left, you know, he considers himself uh, independent, but most of his policies are, you know, um, uh, social democrat. Yeah, social yeah. democrat. So, yeah. Well, Matt, you were, earlier, you were saying that you, you define yourself more of a libertarian, so what do you, what do you, con what do you consider that? With like, the point of view you explain of, it? <clears throat> I mean, I'm not as politically... Active. I guess at, yeah, active. But neither of us, except for Angelo. <laughs> That's why we have him here. Yeah. But with the uh, the thing I that attracts me, I guess, to libertarianism, is the notion that you know the government shouldn't be involved in anything. That if I'm doing something and it doesn't affect the rights and it doesn't hurt anybody else, the government should not be involved with it. And I kind of agree with that. Like for right. example, um, well, what do we have on that list over there? We have we got gun control. Gun control. I mean, that's a touchy subject. It is a very touchy subject. Because with that subject, there is a point to where what I'm doing could affect somebody else. But at the same time, me owning a gun, I know I'm a responsible person. I'm in the military in particular. Me owning a gun isn't going to hurt anybody else in in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, I was thinking in more terms of marijuana, right? If I wanted to smoke a joint, that's not going to hurt anybody else, right? right. So why, why is it why illegal? Is, why does the government have to be involved? Uh, I get that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, I mean, the Libertarian Party is all about free will and the will of the self, and how, uh, and that, and that echoes to the Republican Party. The, right. the, the major difference, uh, I think, when you want to differentiate what the Democratic Party stands for primarily and the Republican Party stands for primarily, Democrats want more government involvement in daily lives and the you know the functioning of your daily life right but the republican Republicans. party does not right. Repart less, republican less party small government democrat big government mm -hmm. yeah and um and those could those could interchangeably be both good things yeah and there, there's not one that's why again go back to the point like i'm an independent because I think on some things the government should be involved, and in, in other things the it government should, should not, not be involved. involved. Right, yeah. and, and that's why, like you, you bring, to bring it back, like, we need to be all sitting at the table having fruitful com conversations where we can actually discuss our point of views and and have an educated conversation instead of us butting heads or 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 being keyboard warriors and, and arguing through at each other through social media mm -hmm. with no evidence about what what's actually going on. You know, we see something on social media and you believe it, and you start you start going on a wrath about it and you really don't know anything about it so it's important to have discussions like this where we sit down at a table with some education behind it you know and have have actual discussions and and when you say that two things come to my mind uh the first thing about social media and social media is such a such an important but also such a dangerous tool because when we use social media in a way that we actually we just see a headline we click share we don't really dive into it right, right. that's how a lot of propaganda is spread and a lot of like 
fake news is spread around right, on both right. sides of the aisle. People see something that the headlines are so catchy and emotionally, you know, touches their emotions. People are like, oh, I'm going to share that. And they don't even open it. Sometimes right. it's a virus. Like sometimes <laughs> right, it's just, yeah. like just so, so my, so anyone listening, like just please, when, before you share something on social media, like open it up, read the article, like read what, what is actually in what you're sharing because what that does is is you're spreading awareness. You're not just spreading emotion. It's so easy to just click share. It's harder to dive into something and understand what you're posting. Because what happens when most of the time, like you said, people just start arguing over something where they just read the, the comment. They didn't even read the content. So when I, what happens, I don't really engage in a lot of those uh, Facebook like fights in the comments or right. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. But what I do is that when people start saying stuff that's literally in the article that they shared that contradicts it, I just go into the article because I had read it and I copy and paste and I just <laughs> reply comment. I just say, like, okay. yeah. And the second thing that comes to my mind when you said all that was um, another thing that I feel very strongly about, I guess I'm, I guess I'm building my my public uh, my, my public platform now. Thanks, right. guys. This is this is great brainstorming. So my second thing that I would really be adamant about is mandatory civic education in school, um, especially senior year of high school. Um, so junior and senior, we we take U.S. history one, U.S. history two. We learn about Christopher Columbus and yeah, okay, but like. What about, you know, the only, the only kids who are really learning about government now are the kids take AP Gov. Right. And not everyone takes AP Gov. You, you have to have a mandatory civics class in school where um, everyone, everyone who's about to be 18 just got the right to vote should know about voting powers, should know about local, state, and federal government, uh, how all of them work, how our federal system works, the branches of government, all the things that are in an intro political science class in college. Um, I, I was astonished at the amount of kids in my intro political science class who are hearing all of those things for the first time. Right. And then on top of that, the icing on the cake to end that class, the whole class should register to vote together. And it should be, it. the whole class should, on that Tuesday, that's election day when they're in school, they should all take a field trip to the polls and vote. Right. And and without any, without any, and now a lot of people say, when I say that, they're like, oh, but then the, the teacher can sway the kids to vote however they want. I disagree. I think if, if, the, if, the, if the kids are well-educated and well-versed in what's happening, um, they will be able to vote their conscience. And a lot of kids end up taking the politics in the United States, taking the politics of their parents because they don't mm -hmm. actually learn to form their opinions when they're young. They just right. take the party that their parents are. They go with their parents to the polls and then they vote whatever their parents vote. And and if young people had more of a voice and in, in our elections, we'd see amazing, tremendous different changes and different faces representing us. Because... Yeah. You're not going to go and vote for some, like, 70-year-old dude who's been there for 26 years who literally doesn't know what the Internet is. Right. You guys saw that video when, like, they in the Senate hearing when they had Mark Zuckerberg? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That was hilarious. And, like, like, it's just, like, we, we are moving forward with technology. We need people sitting on that bench who actually know how to use a computer. Right. You think there should be term limits? Oh, term limits, 100%. Okay. I think I think it's it's, you know... Con members of the House of Representatives now can run 
uh, they run for two-year seats, and then they run for re-election. A lot of them run for re-election for forever, right? And they just stay in there for for forever and ever. And actually, I'm I'm not a big fan of Ted Cruz, but I have to give Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, credit that he is one of the few senators who actually said there should be term limits. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the the se- Senate. And House representatives should have a term. When I think of guys like that, I think of like Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. um, Nancy Pelosi, people that have been there for years. It doesn't feel like they're really in touch with the rest of society. I guess society, yeah, yeah, society, or you know, especially younger voters. You get sucked into the Washington machine. Washington mm-hmm. is literally a machine. I live there, and sometimes I feel like I've only been there for a couple of years now, but I feel like the the monotony of life, and especially being there for so long, you lose touch with your district. You. You, you know, I mean, our 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 congressman from the second district, um, who is now retiring, uh, Congressman Frank Lobiondo, mm-hmm. um, have huge respect for that man. Um, he's helped me out a lot uh, when I was in in Stockton doing a lot of civic engagement uh, initiatives mm-hmm. from the Republican Party. He retired. It was an open seat election, um, and uh, now Jeff Van Drew, who's a state senator, just became um, he's he's the congressman elect. He'll get sworn in on Jan- January third. Um, but Frank Lobiondo was in there for 26 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he did a bad job, but I'm saying that that, that is definitely a long time. Right. right. At some point, you got to draw the line, and like Matt said, you got to be able to put somebody in office that is is up to date on on society and where it's at, yeah. especially with the younger voters who are who are soon going to be old voters. You know, we're gonna we're the ones that are going to be on the planet for the foreseeable future. You know, and and who's in office and who's calling the shots for us in office plays a big part in how we live our lives and we need some people that are in the office that can reflect how we feel either move up or out that's my yeah that's either move up in in the in the ranks mm-hmm. or just move out like don't don't yeah. don't make this uh your seat like a cesspool of just you know just sitting there for years and years and make a career out of it one thing you guys should check out later i don't know if you have already and to the people listening uh you guys should check out a movie it's an old movie forget from what year it is but it's in black and white uh, it's called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and we I watched that in uh, like my freshman year at Stockton, one of my classes. Talks about a um, uh, scoutmaster. I, I forget which state, somewhere in the Midwest. I think Nebraska. I might be wrong. Uh, who they some guy? I'm not going to give the whole thing away, but like there's something he really cares about. It's get getting taken away. He thinks he knows that the only way Mr. Smith is going to get this thing that he wants back for his community is if he runs for Congress. He runs for Congress. He wins. After he achieved that thing, he leaves. He leaves Washington after his two years because he achieved the thing he wanted to do, and that's what politics was intended to be. That's what Congress and representation and government was intended to be, to go in, see something lacking in your community that you really believe in, rally around the people who believe the same way as you, they vote for you, you deliver, and then you go back to your, your right. normal job. Step aside, yeah. Or, or continue to move up, like you said. Or continue you know. to move up, yeah. exactly. But if you feel like you, you, you mission accomplished and you're not in it just to make a career for yourself but to actually help the community, right. it, it's time for you to, to peace. Yeah. Continue with your career elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, Graham. So with, with issues such as, um, what do we got on the list? We have climate change. We have the death penalty. We have gun control, armed teachers in particular. We'll say climate change. And you were, you were talking about before about um, disinformation and, you know, you see something online, maybe you retweet it and stuff without actually researching it. To me, it seems a little shocking 
that there's still like a an argument with climate change. Does oh, that yeah. does that like surprise you? I mean, I don't know. To me, it just seems it's it's a done deal, man. I think it's absolutely absurd. It's absurd and it's it's shameful. It really is that the president of the United States does not publicly believe well, in climate. What are the change. arguments against it at this point? Like I. I to me, I really don't understand it. There are the science is there. All like the science is there. Climate change is is happening. It is is due to human activity. We are pollu- we are destroying our only home. And uh, President Emmanuel Macron of France said, you know, um, we th- there's only a planet A. There's no planet B. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool play on words. And I also personally really like that guy. Um, but. It's, he's, he's right. There is no planet B. Right. And we need to protect our, our... And and the United States is the second largest carbon emitter in the world after China. We emit so much pollution and so much waste. Um, we produce so much waste in our homes. And also our industrial, our industrial side in the United States also produces a lot of pollution. Um, and there are no real enforcements from the government. Um, this is a this is a, a subject where I think the government should be involved in the activities of of industries that have large carbon emissions because what what they are doing is they're destroying our home you know you and me the average people um, for for monetary gain right. they're just making a lot of money yeah which is a driving factor for most people and that's a driving factor for why we don't talk about it a lot in the United States because. Those industries and and the and the fossil fuel industry and oil, they make so much money Cash off of counts. it, and they have they have so much money in lobbyists who go into Capitol Hill and they lobby the heck out of our members of Congress and and eventually members of Congress who are corrupt and have been there for years. They listen and right, and they, they take roll, that money. And, over. You know, if someone's funding your campaign. You're not gonna go and stand up and say against and right. go against them. Right. It's it's ter- and that's an, that goes into this whole other thing of like campaign financing and right. how much money actually how much money that the fact that our uh, politicians running for any office don't have uh, a real limit or ceiling to how much money they can raise is just absurd. That means they could just be bought by right. anyone. They're getting backed by these cash cows that are then influencing them on on where they stand and, and how what they're going to do when they're in office. And that's partly why I think the president isn't vocal about climate change. I think he isn't vocal about climate change because he would be doing himself a disadvantage. He'd just be shooting himself in the foot. He makes so much money, him and his, uh, his companies uh, and his affiliates all make so much money off of the fossil fuel energy industry that It'd just be a bad business move right. to to speak out against them. So, what's the? Do you know any solutions? Like these scientists, what they're coming out with, their research is coming out with all these carbon emissions or whatever. What what are their solutions to fix the problem? Well, the Paris Climate Agreement that was just. Because I have first no step, idea right? what their what their uh, answer is. So so Jared's asking more of a like a like a technical like like Let's how to say do you, hey. You know, you know. Yeah. All right, we're we're going for it. Let's we're doing something to fix it. What what's so, the answer to fix so the, the carbon to so the ozone layer whatever's going on. So to bring those two ideas that were just you know brought out, the COP twenty one wasn't it wasn't the first 
um, initiative for climate, global climate change uh, work. But it was the most recent framework that happened in December 2015 when all of the co most countries of the world came to the table and signed the COP21 agreement uh, for um, sustainable, um, sustainable innovation. It was the climate conference. Um, the United States uh, at the time under President Obama um, actually signed the agreement. Uh, all countries of the world except for like I think Syria at the time didn't sign it. Um, and as soon as uh, as soon as uh, President Trump uh, took office, he actually withdrew our name from the COP21 agreement. Why did he do that, though? I don't understand the reasoning behind it. So I don't understand a lot of things. This guy does. <laughs> um, but I think he did it for what we were talking about earlier is because he right. doesn't want to be uh, involved in, a, in, in something that's actually going to shoot him in, in the foot. And uh, what we can do about climate change, we could take uh, examples of countries uh, in, in, in all of Scandinavia, uh, in Norway, for example, um, they have ingenious ways of waste management that you should definitely look up, everyone listening should look up and Google how Norway is actually getting rid of their trash, how Iceland gets rid of their trash, how um, the government puts on, puts incentives for companies that are doing well um, uh, to actually, you know, to keep doing that, they give that they're they're incentivizing good uh, environmental behavior. That will drive companies to do well because now what like we're talking about this obviously right. right. So if, if in the United States we go and we tell the fossil fuel industry like oh stop doing this, and they're like okay but I I don't make money anymore. So I understand their their point of view. Right. So find a way incentive government go ahead act and incentivize them switching their behavior making it a more um, environmentally conscious behavior right then you you will see some some changes right because but we just bark at it it's not going to happen because if they're not going to make money they're not going to want to do it they need the government needs to find a way where they can still continue to make money while doing it and unfortunately that's the way it is you know you wish you could just tell them don't do it you know but like we said monetary gains is such a motivating fact such a driving factor for these companies that they, they're not going to do it if there's no monetary gains involved exactly because the world does revolve around money unfortunately yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, but i think th there's a there's a really cool article um in the guardian uh that they published it was, it was old it's from 2013 it was uh called the trash to cash and this is this whole initiative that Norway is doing and and again I say Norway a lot I kind of sound like Bernie Sanders <laughs> but because they are leading the fight against climate change right. in Scandinavia and 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 um the the Netherlands and in Copenhagen like Copenhagen is is amazing in how their sustainable practices are there's a city in Brazil called Curitiba and everyone should know about Curitiba I learned about Curitiba in Stockton my global environmental issues class uh, with Professor Tate Chirinji, amazing guy. Mm -hmm. um, Curitiba is one of the most sustainably developed cities in the world. They have, they incentivize people to recycle, to deliver their recyclables to um, to the recycling centers. And, and when you bring your recycling, like if kids bring it, they could get like candy or something. They get movie tickets. Um, if homeless people get it, they get um, their meals. So for homeless shelters, that's how they, if they pick up trash um, off the streets, they get their uh, food. Um, they have all their, their lawns 
aren't mowed by uh, um, actual uh, landscapers. Like landscapers, they literally let cows and sheep just graze it, and then they use the they they're they're taking care of their livestock in a way that they clean up their city. Then they use the manure that comes from those to then plant otherwise and plant more trees. Right. Their public transportation system is so amazing. They have buses that literally run like under intersections. So they never, they're electric buses and they never get stuck in traffic or cause anything. And if you use public transportation a certain amount of time and you show the government that you don't own a car in that city, you actually even get more incentives at the end of the year in your taxes. Interesting, that's pretty cool. So a lot of stuff like that is happening in the world and I think we should open our eyes as we, we call ourselves the leader in America's greatest country in the world, in my point of view. Right. I say that wholeheartedly, but I think we say that too much sometimes. We get blinded by the, the fallacies that we have in our society right. that we could right. change. I want to hit some of these other topics on this, too. Jared, mm-hmm. I know you wanted to talk about uh, women in combat. What's your opinion on that one? My opinion on women in combat? Yeah. Um, it kind of changed a little bit. I always was... I had a firm belief that women should not be in combat roles at all, but okay. it kind of it kind of it switched. So I believe that women can be in combat roles, but they have to keep up with the men. Plain and simple. Like you know how you have PT tests, especially right. in the military, women have a longer time to run that mile and a half run, less push-ups, less sit-ups, especially if you're going in combat. Right. And you got to drag out a, a guy over there, right? And you're six three, two hundred pounds. pounds you got to drag that guy out, just right. like any other man would do. I mean, even even if a, a, a smaller guy, right? If he if he can't pass the the PT, yeah, or anything, he shouldn't be he shouldn't be in combat either. It goes for both sides. Yeah. So I don't believe in lowering the requirements just so women could be in combat roles, right? So. If they've got, if, to, they, if they can keep up with the physical training of men, they've got to be held to the same standard. Like the same, got to be held to the same standard, hundred yeah. percent. Especially in our special forces. I know what an army rangers just got. What two, like two females that finished? I, yeah, I think two or something like that. But I don't know if they they pass with the scores required for the men. Um, obviously, just biologically, there's a big difference between men and women with testosterone levels and estrogen levels, whatever. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my whole take on it. I Do you think, think it could for, uh, affect, like, morale or military readiness, um, the efficiency of the unit? By women not being in combat roles? By women, if they are like, in there. If they are in there? Yeah. Now we're diving into more of the mental aspect. Well, but, in particular, I think, I mean, we're both in the military. We both work yeah. with women every day, and it's, it's you know, there's nothing. Yeah. They, they do yeah, everything that fun. we do. There's nothing, there's yeah, no there's problems. Nothing but we're not in roles that are quite as physical. Yeah, we're not like tacky or anything. As a, anything as a like special that. operations yeah. unit. You're not or, stationed in Iraq. Well, even even if you see, there's not. It's still predominantly men yeah. that are in the right. special. I mean, it's very rare that women want to be in the shit. I mean, especially special forces like Navy SEALs. Right. I'm pretty sure there's no women in Navy SEALs. Nah. Um, I but know if, Army, but Army they Ranger. Yeah, they, they, I, I believe they should have the opportunity, absolutely, but yeah. still be held to that same standard. Yes. Because I agree. Because if I have, have it equal, have it equal. You wanna, you wanna be with the men, be in the shit. Right. If I'm, if I'm by in the all trench, means do it. You better train your ass off because we're all in the military. We're all relying on the guy next to you yeah, to get exactly. you out, of, get you out of there. Yeah. Okay. And if you can't do it, 
Yeah. Oh well. Right. If like, I if I'm in the trenches, requirements and standards. Right. If I'm in the trenches and, and I'm gotta, relying on I, you, you better be able to pull my ass out. Right. Because I want to live just as bad as you want to live. Right. I, so, got, I got no problem having a girl next to me in the trenches, but I just I want to know damn I, sure that she can pull me out the same way. God yeah. Can, absolutely. Know? And I used to have a strong stance like no, women should not. I just don't believe they should be. We don't need we don't need them to be in the roles, the combat mm-hmm. roles. Just keep keep them off the side. That's just like, and part of me is just. That's just the nature of man, right. in my perspective. Like we're, I believe that God put us on Earth to protect women, in a sense, right? And you have a lot of females coming out that are saying, "Oh, we don't need men. We don't need men." I think that's all bullshit. We both need each other, <laughs> yeah. and I think that men are put on this Earth to protect women. That's just in our nature. I mean, sometimes yeah. you probably won't even catch yourself, but you just naturally do it when you're out in public. Like even if like a fight happens, you. You know, you put the you put the woman behind you as a protector. It's right. just natural. It's right. just a natural thing to do. I, but it obviously has changed. I think they should if they want to, because I believe everybody should have the same opportunity. Just stay to that standard. Okay. I think there's a lot opinion? of um, like a there's a, this uh, old old fashioned mentality. That, yeah. That the uh, and they're not bad it's, values it's, either. It's not bad. No. It's not bad. It's it comes from a sense of of caring. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think sometimes those acts, those gestures, when men uh, overstep sometimes and act, you know, too much, like they're the protector. Right. I think what it does, it it it, it limits it limits a woman's ability to express herself. And I mean, obviously we're talking about women and, and there's we, no women we, here. We don't have yeah, a woman right, right here. Yeah. I mean, Jared's the closest. Um, <laughs> Not yet. He hasn't, gotten, speaking. he hasn't gotten his surgery yet. So yeah. But um, I mean, I, I think, I think that this nature of, of, of this protecting, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's a two way street. And you did say that I, I think if I was, you know, if I, if I help, the thing that I hate the most is like, if I'm, practicing if i'm being chivalrous and i hold it's happened to me once in dc when i held the door for someone open and and this woman out of nowhere goes i can hold the door for myself i'm like listen i i wasn't holding the door for you because you're a woman i was i would have held the door for anyone right just because that's my nature of being courteous to the person i'm not gonna let the door slam behind me right it's rude it's, it's, it's just rude, rude. and like i i also love when i'm uh, you know if i was walking up to a door yeah. and then a woman opened the door for me i'm not gonna go i'm a man i could open exactly. it exactly yeah you can flip it i'm gonna i'm gonna say thank you like i'm yeah. gonna say thank you for being courteous right Absolutely. i think that's where we are now in our society where we should start to realize that men and women uh are equals uh, in nature i mean i i came from a family where um, i have a very very strong female role model is my mother i don't have any sisters um, but uh, my mom and my dad lived apart from each other for nine years while I lived in Lebanon with my brother and my mom. My dad was here working in Atlantic City, uh, and I grew up seeing how strong and how independent my mom was able to be in a country where, you know, inherently women are just tr- seen at a lower level. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we think in the United States it's bad. In Lebanon, it was terrible, and especially like my mom. My mom, you know, I'm, my mom's a good-looking woman, and when she was, when she used to go and do like, uh, you had to, she had to do paperwork and stuff for our school. I didn't understand it when I was a kid, but she constantly got hit on. 
uh, and especially in the cases where she knew that her they they knew that her husband was in the United States and right. so he was away. They these like sleazy people thought they could take advantage of that situation, and that mentality just needs to it needs to go needs to go away yeah, and let people just live. And 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 I'm fortunate that I was able to see. That's why I have such strong. Like I can I consider myself a feminist. Yeah. Because I believe in equality. And feminist has, feminist feminism has taken such a, a negative yeah, 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 connotation, radical, but it's yeah. not. It's it's mm -hmm. it's it's the. I don't like the people who say that they're feminists because they don't want me to hold the door for them. Right. Mm -hmm. I want. I love the people who are feminists like me who say that I want. I want to be paid equally for the same job that's performed. Right. Um, I want to be held to the same standards, like you're saying in the military. We shouldn't change the requirements of ability if we know that this is the performance level that we want for this unit or task force. That is the unit. That's the level. Right. Whoever wants to try out and be, be like there, that. earn it. Do right. it. Earn it. Do it. Earn it. Anyone, even like I could, I could never do it, and that's yeah. why. That's why I wouldn't try out because I know I can't. If you know you can't do it, right. man, woman, uh, like transgender, anyone, like if you if you can do it, do it. Because at the end of the day, what's what do we all come down to at the end? We want people who are going to be loyal and serve the oath and protect our flag and protect our country. Right. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing and we want to look out for the person that's right. That's the main thing with the military, right? You can confirm that because I'm not in it. <laughs> is that you? You yeah. got to look out for the person who's right next to you, no mm -hmm. matter who they are, because they're all wearing the same flag on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. They yeah. all love the same place. So and we all signed always, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. That's my take on it. I know it's I got take, into like. Yeah, yeah it's a good take. I like that. Yeah. We're having some fruitful conversations. Actually. Yeah, I, I, we need to keep so, a tally of how many times we say fruitful. I think we're at like people, six right people now. People <laughs> literally think we do not know any edge. I'm going to pull up a, a, a thesaurus. And, if you, and people listening, if you don't know what a thesaurus is, get a dictionary. And <laughs> well, I, I would imagine they don't, <laughs> Google if they don't know what a thesaurus is, they may not know what a dictionary and is. And I just, I, just stole that, I just stole that joke from uh, Jim Jeffries, um, his whole talk on gun control. This could be a good segue oh. to talk about gun control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But um, Jim Jeffries, in his bit on, on gun control, he goes, uh, he goes well, if you, and he's, I can't do his Australian accent. He's like, uh, get a thesaurus. And if you don't know what thesaurus is, get a dictionary and work your way up. Yep. <laughs> like, that's, oh, that's great. That's a great line. But yeah, I'm typing in fruitful into my thesaurus right now. So we don't say that word anymore. So you, most Matt, people would be like, the thesaurus. Yeah, that's a cool one. But the Tyrannosaurus Rex is my favorite. Advantageous, <laughs> beneficial, conducive, effective, profitable, rewarding, successful, useful, worthwhile. I think I like fruitful though. Yeah, because it reminds you of fruit. It does. I like fruit. Yeah, Jared's a fruit. <laughs> Fruity tooty. All right, but but I'm, oh, add like a yeah. drum roll, like a like a. On a serious snack. note, Matt, what's your position on gun control? You, you just mentioned it. Um, when I think of it, I think of in particular in New Jersey. Like I'm in the process right now of obtaining a firearms ID card and a permit to purchase a handgun. And in New Jersey. Like, for instance, I look at a state like Colorado. You just came back from Colorado. Their yeah. gun laws are much, I guess, looser. Yeah. I don't know. What, you know, Check that thesaurus for me. Le a better word. <laughs> Lenient. Than a state like New Jersey. Like, in New Jersey, you cannot have a concealed carry permit. At all. At Unless all. Unless you're a former police officer. Yeah, law, law enforcement. And it's yeah. still hard to get. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very hard to get. You like that, right? Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. But, well, um, I, I kind of have an issue with it personally just because... You know, for me, myself, I do 
Your family you doesn't own guns either. Well, no, you're, you're going to be the first one, right? They don't. No, they yeah. do not own guns. Like, my dad never had a gun. There was never any guns in the house. And we never really had a need to. So I never... Do to me, that wasn't... Do you, yeah, feel, you do you feel that there is a need to? Right. You, you truly don't feel like there isn't a need to? to no, I don't, I don't think so. It's I mean, for protection. Well, where we grew up, you know, we, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Safe neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The chance of like somebody breaking in our house or some shit, very low. Yeah. So in that particular instance, no, I don't think we needed to have a gun. All in all likelihood, we never would have had to use it. But um, at the same time, I do believe in the Second Amendment pretty strongly in the fact that guns are important in the case of, uh, say, a tyrannical government came up to rise. And I'm not saying that would happen. I'm just saying you know it could because it's happened in the past. It's there for a reason. And then, yeah. you know, it, I think it'd be much tougher these days, but still, you know, to think that it couldn't happen, I think is a little ridiculous. Right. It's naive. So, you know, maybe a Mossberg shotgun under my bed, I'd feel a little better. <laughs> yeah. Plus, plus yeah. I live in Summers Point now, you know, it's not, it's not the safest town in the world. So yeah, I want to have a gun. Yeah. But yeah, also I mean, to the fact that, you know, I like shooting too. I go to, I've gone on the range a couple of right. times. It's fun. Right. Well, what about you, Joe? I, I mean, curious to know. My, my dad grew. My dad was in law enforcement growing up, so I was. I've been around guns my whole life. My we, my dad's not a hunter, so we were never hunting. My dad had had a, a firearm in the house. My brother owns guns um, legally. He's got he's got his permits. Um, and my my philosophy is this: like Matt said, I mean, it goes it goes down to the Second Amendment. We all have the right to bear arms, and and I think I would feel a lot safer having a gun. In, like to protect myself, you know, like, like right. two days ago, my, my roommate's car was broken into in, in Ocean City. Yeah. You know, and, and it got me feeling a little uneasy, you know, just you never know what's going to happen. You're not going to need a gun until you need it. Right. And, and I apply the, this philosophy a lot. Like I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. You know, mm -hmm. like it's not. And like you, I like to shoot. Like I've been to the range. I've, I've shot weapons before. And I think it's it's good to have knowledge about weapons and be able to know how to use them in, in the instance where you do need to use them. God forbid you're in a situation where you need to use a firearm and you have a firearm and don't know how to use it. There's no point in even having a firearm if you don't know how to use it. Yeah. Should there be stricter laws on who gets guns, why they get guns, or what they're doing with their guns? Most likely, you know. But when you start to get into to critiquing the, the Constitution and and, and uh, changing the, the the amendments, like like what you can't you can't open that door. Once you open that door, you're not going to be able to shut it. It's touchy, you know. Mm -hmm. So so as far as starting to control guns, it, it's a very fine line to ride, and. I see you. Yeah, he's got some input. He's I'm, rocking. I'm literally like bouncing in my head. Go ahead. Continue. Um, Go ahead. Continue. No, so I, I think everybody should be able to to carry weapons. I, open carry too. I think you, maybe not open carry, concealed carry at least. My my parents live in Houston in in Texas, where open carry is legal and right. and you're able to have weapons. I mean, when I lived in Florida, there was an instance in in Fort Myers where the cop had gotten into beef with a uh, with somebody. He was uh, he had pulled over or something like that. The guy was wrestling with the cop, and the guy was then shot by a um, bystander, by by a civilian who had a concealed carry license, who then shot the guy who was wrestling with the cop, and and potentially saved the cop's life. And and, and there's instances like that every day that aren't talked about Public because size, yeah. yeah, because they they may not support the the agenda of the, of whoever's whoever's directing the media or whatever the case may be. But I think if I want to have a gun, I should be able to have a gun, and I. I'm at the point where the, the, the government really shouldn't be able to control that. 
it goes down to the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. I know Angela's Anson. Yeah. I mean, give us that I, I think this is very, it's a, it's a very nice, uh, this is an interesting topic to have, especially with um, us, because I know that we have very uh, differing points of view on yeah. this. Yeah. Um, I've come to the point where I, I do, I do believe in the Second Amendment. Uh, okay. I think that, I think that people in the United, it's, 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 it's just completely, I don't think it's impossible because I don't believe that anything's impossible. I don't right. think there will ever be a complete ban on guns in the United States, nor do I think that should happen. So right. I'm not, I'm not on that wave that like we should completely ban guns in the United States. There are other countries that have banned guns. Um, mm -hmm. It worked for some, it worked, it doesn't, didn't work for others. Um, but I think that responsible gun owners should be able to uh, purchase a firearm, uh, have it registered, and uh, there should be a national registry for guns. It shouldn't be a state-by-state -state basis. It should be a national registry. It should be something that the federal government handles because this goes back to um, you know, when alcohol wasn't uh, 21 all over the United States, which right. is a completely other topic that right. I think is stupid that we have to wait until we're 21 to drink. We talked about this on our first episode, actually. Yeah. We talked yeah, about no, it. Yeah. My opinion was that 18 should be the age. Yeah, well, well but, you know, well, continue your. So, yeah. so when, when, when drinking was 21 in New Jersey and it was 18 in Pennsylvania, we saw so many deaths on the Atlantic City Expressway, people driving back from Philadelphia to here um, because they were like 19 or 18. They're going there, they're, they're drinking, and then it's too expensive for them to get a cab you know, to and from here to Philly. Right. So, so they're driving, driving drunk and it was it was terrible. So then what the government what the federal government did the federal government it was a state by state thing. So what the federal government did at the time, they said, um, if you want um, appropriations to fix your interstate highways from the government the from the federal government. Because mm -hmm. the state puts in money to fix their roads, but the federal government also appropriates some of that money to okay. each state. So he said, if you want that sum of money that's from the federal government, you need to raise your age to 21. Until you raise it to 21, we're, we're, not. we're not. And so once a lot of states were like, oh, we really need that money. So they just raised it to 21. Eventually, there were only like two states that didn't raise it. And then they voted on it in Congress and then became a federal law that the, the United States 21 age to... Um, to, to, consume. To, to consume alcohol. And so that could be also translated into um, safe gun laws, safe comprehensive gun laws for responsible gun owners. Because, you know, hey, if you want to, if you feel, I personally do not feel comfortable with a gun. I, I don't think, I like, I literally don't feel safer if I have a gun. Right. Um, I think the people who should have guns are law enforcement and those who are, their job is to protect me. Um, I think there could be a lot of mistakes that happen, um, and the mistake that you cause with a gun isn't a mistake that you could just undo. Right. Um, it's a mistake that could potentially end someone's life. It's a fatal mistake. Well, say, um, say teachers in schools. This has been a bigger issue lately that some people want teachers to be armed in schools. Hold that thought real quick, and okay. I'm going to answer that question. There's something that Joe said that's really important. It's like once you open that door and change the amendment, it becomes a dicey situation. Right. And I and I with all due respect, I completely disagree with that statement. Because I think the amendments of the Constitution are called amendments so that we can amend them once we see that they are no longer fit. That's why our Constitution isn't a set in stone document. It it is a living 
breathing document that is continuously alive. We can continue to add. There are things that we didn't like in the past that we actually amended, like right. slavery. Right. Uh, we, we abolished slavery. We added an amendment in the Constitution. We gave women the right to vote. That wasn't a thing. Right. We had prohibition. And then after having prohibition, that was an amendment in the Constitution. And then when everyone was like, oh, I, I kind of like to drink. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's uh, let's put in the 21st Amendment. And then um, drinking became legal again. Right. We amended the Constitution several times in our history. And I think we can amend the Constitution uh, to the right to bear arms with subclauses and modifications that make it a national uh, level of, of, um, of, of protection okay. for us. So let me ask you this, though. Um, when it, do you think the people that are using the guns in the wrong way, will they abide by these new laws that are coming into place? I mean, let's say, I mean, people always use Australia as an example, that there, there's no guns in Australia. Yeah, like that, after Port Arthur. Right. And 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 in, in a perfect world, if we could snap our fingers and remove every gun in the country, then fine, let's do it. But that's not the case. Newsflash, criminals don't follow the law. Mm-hmm. If they want a gun, there's so many guns in the country at this point, there's no way impossible hell to remove all the guns in the country it's just not possible you know and to think that these criminals are now going to say oh well now that i'm now i'm not allowed to, to to use this gun this way that the law says it that they're just going to follow the law i think that's naive and, I, and 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 so my 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 rebuttal to that is i think criminals um who we so you say you want a gun to protect yourself from you know the street criminal who might come in and break into your house right that's going to make you feel comfortable sure that you know one of the reasons but that 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 street criminal who uh wants to get you know their hands on a gun they probably got that gun now for really cheap once if guns and like that's the example in australia you brought up australia once guns became completely banned then the only way for people to get guns was from the black market. And right. then a simple gun that cost, you know, a couple thousand now costs in the tens of thousands. Right. And that street criminal doesn't, you know, if you have like twenty, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 laying around, like, well, you don't need to be breaking into people's houses and mm-hmm. stealing their TVs. Right. You know, right, like, that's true. So, so the black market is inherently a complete other ball game. So those right. criminals, Smart. yeah, yeah, they won't abide by laws because criminals don't abide by laws. But right. I think it's going to be the only people who are going to have access are going to be like organized crime right. and supply those and demand. Yeah, and the yeah. people who have a lot of money who have a d- difficult agenda, but then at that point, because there's a limit on the amount of guns that exist, it will be much easier for law enforcement to actually get to those people because right. they know the sources are like this black market in there and right. it's not just you know you prance into a walmart in texas and right just buy yourself a gun i also think once we have a national registry um and i and i and i've every every responsible gun owner that i talk to has agreed to this and I, and i think you guys would agree to this that you know every year so it's kind of like your license you have to you renew. get a renew you right. renew your permit and new jersey you do that now cuz new jersey has some of the strictest gun laws in the united states right. if not the strictest gun laws in the united states mm-hmm. um you know take a test renew your knowledge on how to use a gun make sure there's you know um pass a test in your home where you make sure you're 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 properly um, right. storing your weapons so not one of your kids just you know takes from under your bed playing around thinks it's a toy shoots another one of your kids. Right, mm-hmm. that's something that happens a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And and then at that point they're like, oh, but I'm responsible and I put my <laughs> gun. I put my gun in a safe. 
But then, like, how much is that really I, protection anymore? I wouldn't want necessarily someone coming to my house and playing Big Brother and making sure, like, hey, Jimmy, right? You that, have that, that stored that's away. a whole other conversation. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, but that's that, like, but that's not someone. Not someone's not coming into your house and doing it. It's just like you. You take like a little like you know. I'm a bartender. And every every year I have to take a a, a test online that makes right. sure I refresh my awareness on over serving and right. and quantities and carding people and different ID laws stuff like that. Right. It's bringing bringing knowledge to the forefront. Continue your, yeah, continue continuous knowledge. knowledge and awareness, and then at that point, the people who really want a gun will have it and be responsible, and the people who shouldn't have their hands on guns. Well, um, so you're saying it should be a requirement to go to the classes. Like, it's, go it's, to the classes if you want to own a gun. Just like when you want to drive a car, you had to take a test and you had to go renew your license. It'll be a little bit more different because it's something that, you know, your, your car is just as dangerous as a yeah. gun, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so, some aspects, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so I don't know. I, I, my, my view is I don't want a total ban on guns because I believe in the United States is unique in its way and, and the right to bear arms. But at the same time, it should be nationally, um, nationally regulated so that everyone's on the same standard, right? Um, and so that people who are you know mentally ill or or, or deranged or they're pissed off, right. they want to go do something rash. Waiting periods should be right. waiting extended. periods should be extended, and should there should be a waiting period like. Whenever we talk, have this conversation in New Jersey, people are like, oh, but I already wait so long. I'm like, yeah, because you're in New Jersey. But, like, think of the person. And I keep using Texas because, because it's, it's got complete the complete opposite. South Dakota. Some of the loosest. I got our, Le- I got our lenient, most lenient. So, 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 you know, I'm ma- I'm literally mad at you right now, okay? <laughs> I go I, to Walmart. I get a gun and I go to your house. Like, I don't want it to be that easy. I want to be mad at you and then go to Walmart or wherever, the gun store. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to use Walmart's, like, tarnish Walmart now. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, go buy a gun. I, I want them to tell me, okay, you'll get your gun in two weeks. In two weeks, I'll calm down a lot. And I'll probably be like, ah. We, we have that already. In New Jersey. In New Jersey. Yeah, because we, we have some of the strictest like gun laws, right? Texas well, has some of the most lenient gun laws. Where and and some, it's like a day. Well, every, a three but everybody day still period. has to go through a background check. But the right. background check isn't nas- isn't a national background check that's the same everywhere. So you might fail a background check in New Jersey, but you could just go to PA, right? And or like you could go somewhere else. Right. Just, some just, states don't evaluate your mental health history like New Jersey does. Um, some states don't go as deep into your criminal background. And p- particular, it's more in states like Texas. States so mainly sh- mental health. Gun. Well, because if you have one ounce of criminal background, you can't get a gun. That's not. Entirely. That's not true. It's not. That's well, not true. legally. No, no, that's, no, not, that's true. not true. There's some places where if you have like yeah. some minor criminal offenses, you could still get. If you're a convicted felon, you can't own a firearm. But non-felonies, there's, there's. Like you could get a misdemeanor assault charge or something, and still easily get a gun in many states. You, yeah. know, you still assaulted somebody. You still may have a very violent past. That's yeah. not really reflected by a, you know, a criminal. What's the word? Not misdemeanor. Um, a felony, right. but like a felony assault charge or something like right. that. In New Jersey, it's more, you know, like you said, it's very strict. Yeah. So things like that don't fly by. Yeah. But in other states, they can fly by. That's what he's saying. It should be consistent across yeah. the board. And and again, on top of all of that, and that's this is coming from the mouth of someone like me who I never want to have a gun. Like I never do. Right. But I do believe in, in your desire to have something. And that's, right. mm-hmm. but I want you to have that thing because that I need to have an input as a person who does never want, never wants a gun. Right. I do deserve a voice to say, 
I want you to go through a lot of scrutiny because I know you're not crazy, Matt. Mm-hmm. Well, but Jerry's, uh, Jerry's still out on that. But, <laughs> but like, I know you're not crazy, but but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what what will happen to you in 20 years. Right. Right. And also depression and mental illness for a person isn't something that you you know you have and you pass and then that's it. You right. won't, you won't have it anymore. Right. Like. You don't know. You might get depressed later on in life. You have a gun. You might shoot yourself. Right. And and that's something that we need to con- always monitor in while we do the renewal thing, renewing our background checks and our gun licenses, so that if a person seems unfit at one point in life to not have a gun anymore, that gun should be taken away from them. And I think I responsible gun owners always, whenever I have this conversation with them, they agree. The yeah. part where you said there should be some kind of oversight, whether people store the guns correctly and whether they're not accessible to people other than the owner, I think that's pretty important because if you look at shootings like, in particular, Sandy Hook, which is, in my opinion, that's the worst one that we've ever had. Yeah. Unbelievable. But the, you know, the shooter obtained the weapons from his mother. His mother was a gun owner, and for the, mo- for the most part was a responsible gun owner, but she didn't lock up her weapons correctly, so he was able to obtain the guns that he did and then massacre a bunch of kids. I mean... I know it's, it gets you fucked up when you think about I it. But um, I, you, you were talking about so you brought up Sandy Hook and you, you asked right. me earlier about arming uh, arming teachers, teachers yeah. arming teachers, right? Um, I think that's I, I personally think that's a, a a laughable thing. Like I don't think that teachers teachers are educators. They are there to learn to teach the kids, and right. I think have like knowing that there's a gun in the classroom. It, it it just inherently creates w- with the access of all those kids and right. like who knows you know how teachers are like we've all went to school you know how many different personalities there yeah, are absolutely. you know how much drama goes on in a school and you right. know, like I, I I think a, a, a school isn't so, it's somewhere you should feel safe it's not somewhere where I agree does yeah. anyone have a different opinion on that you think there should be I don't mind it what, so the guns in schools opinion, I don't mind it at all I mean teachers is one thing maybe armed security guards would be a different different subject but even then like i'm thinking of ehd as an example you know mm-hmm. the security guards at ehd being armed then there becomes the issue of their training and things like that like are they really qualified to i mean be they're mostly all former cops right no yeah and and in that in that situation it might be beneficial to have them armed you know in situations like that but i did see recently too that there's there's companies now creating technology to to make uh schools safer in those situations that that pride doors shut and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that, that that prevent anything from escalating in a, in a school shooting situation mm-hmm. that don't necessarily involve arming um, arming civilians or ex-cops or teachers at, at schools, you know. But I remember seeing, on the flip side, I remember seeing a sign. It was, I want to say it was, I don't remember what country it was. It was a foreign country and there was a sign posted outside of school that says, staff is armed and trained. Any attempt to harm children will be met with deadly force. And I'm telling you right now, nobody's nobody's into nobody's that. walking into that yeah, school with a gun trying to kill people, it. walking past that sign and trying and trying to shoot. Right. People, I see know? the other side of the <clears throat> excuse me. I see the other side of the argument mm-hmm. that with a sign like that posted outside of school, you know, I don't know or what's like, going on in these people. Like, like, but, but like you keep going back to that same idea of like you're like oh, but like criminals don't abide by right, laws you right. think of a criminal who's really amped up and like right, that, on a whole bunch of drugs right. not, like, not mentally I go yeah i want to go kill people right for no rational reason right you right. think they're even going to read a sign like that's, you, that's true you know but ju- like, just just not just the knowledge of 
there being armed security guards, whatever the case may be, in the school may prevent them from, from going in there and doing it. Not not that they are going to do it at all. Whether, whether or not they're going to do it is a whole other matter, but them going into the school and doing it, it may have an effect. Like just ha- knowing that there's people there that are armed that will prevent them from, from executing what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there'd be a lot more cases uh, if, say, teachers are armed, right? I think there'd be a lot more cases of whacked out teachers shooting a kid for whatever reason than there would be a, a teacher stopping a school shooting. Right. Which is my biggest reasoning against doing that. Like, I, don't, I don't think teachers should be armed for that particular reason. And like, okay. And kids would get shot accidentally right. or whatever. It's, just a, it's such a sensitive Let's subject. Let's say we arm teachers, right? right? Okay. Now school shootings have gone down. Yay. That's awesome. That's a great thing. Right. But not all the shootings have happened in schools. Right. Like, okay. They're, so now uh, what about the Colorado guy, the Joker? And, and, and no, I yeah, know. I was we like, okay, just so talking now, about that. I was, now, in, I was now, in that theater last week. The, do you want to now like arm the guy who like takes your ticket at the movie right, right, right. Like, then when does it stop right right, right. Well, that, then then that goes right back to gun control concealed carry for our citizens it goes full it, circle it, so so if you feel right. safer in a movie theater with a gun on you your responsible gun owner who fulfills their duties of renewal renewing their right. license mm-hmm. and going right. through the testing and passing mental background checks right. every ever in in frequently right, right then yeah, like uh, I, I, I'm okay because right. now I know that the person who has that concealed gun is at least a sane right. human being right. who's following all these laws, and right. they're actually going, they're putting in work to have that thing that's going to make them feel safer, potentially maybe help me one day. Right, right. So yeah. we're talking mostly about um, gun control in relation to the individual. How do you feel about it overall? Like, say for example, people always bring up Chicago. Uh, there's terrible gun violence there despite very strict gun laws do you think there's a solution to that or there's and i do have some i mean i consider myself a pro-gun guy but i've read some things about it and it kind of hurts a pro-gun argument that with chicago in particular there are very strict gun laws there um and there's still a, a terrible amount of gun violence there yeah but then you would look at a city like new york excuse me new york has New York City has just as strict, if not stricter, gun laws, but they have very low gun violence for how many people that live there. And a lot of experts would argue that, yes, Chicago has very strict gun laws, but the states, Illinois itself, the state does not have very strict gun laws. It's just particularly in Chicago. Or South Dakota. The states, yeah, but the states around (laughs) the city of Chicago do not have very strict gun control. So it's very easy to obtain guns and bring them into Chicago in comparison to New York. New York is surrounded by New Jersey, the state of New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, etc. Very strict gun control laws in all these areas. So that's people would argue that's a reason that New York has so many people but so, so low little, gun violence right. with these high gun control laws. So would it be you were saying like there should be a national registry. Should there be a national set of laws about gun control? Like say in New Jersey, you know, m- most people can't get a concealed carry permit, which I personally disagree with, but if you know for certain circumstances like us being in the military isis is openly proclaimed if you're an isis follower in the united states and you see someone in a military uniform you know take them out yeah for that reason in particular i feel like i should have a concealed carry permit but should that be the same like i'm saying should the gun laws be the same across the country like should it differ between texas and new jersey yeah and so and and i and i think i i touched on that earlier when i said that there should be a because that 
that flow from one place to the other is right. the problem. That's mm-hmm. the that's the constant fight that we keep. It goes back to your saying. argument about alcohol. You yeah, know? like the same thing. Yeah. The the drunk kids driving from PA into into New Jersey, and yeah. like, so with New York and Chicago, there's two very different things. Like the, mm-hmm. if you think of New York geographically, like New York is an island. And um, New York is huge, mm-hmm. and the amount of people far surpasses Chicago, mm-hmm. and so their ability to dictate those laws on a, on a city level is a lot easier for them because geographically they're kind of secluded. They have a lot more money, right. they have a lot more resources, and most importantly, what you touched on, they have the backing from the state. Mm-hmm. Um, in Illinois, in Chicago, it's not it's not the same thing, and you right. see a lot of gun gun violence, from, particularly from gangs. Right. And I think that will that could be addressed by having um, first off the state of Illinois uh, stepping in so that you know people can't just get it from right outside of Chicago, come into Chicago. And another thing, once you have these very strict laws. As soon as someone is seen with a gun that's illegal, they can take action on the on that person's status of having a gun. Then acquiring a gun will be much more difficult, and not not to mention it will be much more expensive. So those those street those street criminals that you know don't that, that don't um, abide by the laws like we were saying will have a tougher time because most of them aren't you know super super rich. Right. They can't, you know, stock up on the latest technology and the most right. expensive. Now they can because it only costs a couple thousand. But once it's in the tens and thousands, right? That's when it's like, okay, our, our bankrolls kind of. Well, even getting a handgun in places like that is very cheap. You can yeah, get a handgun yeah. two hundred dollars, maybe three hundred dollars. Yeah. And, and and that's and that's the that's the thing it goes back to the having a, a national set of laws. Now I I sit here and I say this from. You know the comfort of my position, and it's easier, a lot easier said than done. Right. right. Especially in a country so big like the United States, and there's something about uh, making laws. Um, inherently, when you make a law, when you uh, when you have something, you can't take away from it. So, for instance, when there's a when there's a federal law, no state can actually make things less. So, the drinking age is 21, right? Uh, federally now. Right. Um, if New Jersey decided to make drinking the, the age of drinking 22, they can do that right. Right. as a state law, but they can't make it 20. Right. They can't go less. So that's it goes the same with guns. It's going to be hard because we already have some states like New Jersey that are very strict. It's going to be a very, very tough debate to bring those states up like, you know, like Texas, like Texas that yeah. really have... Was that the same with? Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is that the same with marijuana though? Like in Colorado, like it was illegal, and then they made it. They were the first state to make it legal. Is that like a stepping down? Um, no, that's that's. So they are making state laws um, to control a substance that's illegal. So that's that's a completely different okay. ballgame. Okay. Right. Like they're controlling an illegal substance, mm-hmm. then then they're taxing it and putting it. Um, the money is going back to the government, so that's a completely different right, thing. Right. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just curious. No, it's it fine. Like... I, was, I was kind of done anyway. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, it, and, and marijuana is a whole other thing. That, right now. That, I mean, but the thing is, everyone who's excited about marijuana becoming legal, which I think I'm, I'm all for it, um, because I think that you know, alcohol, if anything, is is much more dangerous than using marijuana. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, and at the same time, 
people who are really excited about it also tend to forget that once it's legal, it's going to be a lot more expensive. Right. Um, uh, in in Washington D.C., for example, um, marijuana is decriminalized, so you could walk down my street, you know, smoking a smoking a joint, um, and you know, wave to the cop, be like, hey, and then the cop be like, that smells like dank. <laughs> and, um, but that's it and uh it yeah. smells like dang bro but so um it's it, to get the same and i and i you know for scientific reasons and research i i asked you know like how much is marijuana in 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 washington like i inquired as if i was going to be a consumer um and then i uh i found out that it's it's I, because I know a lot of my friends here in New Jersey that smoke and I asked them I was like how much is it here mm -hmm. and the comparison is just crazy yeah. like to it's get much more expensive in DC it's much more yeah. expensive in DC Colorado the same way and like they have they have these elaborate setups like delivery to your door right. there's an app like it's awesome it sounds all great but it's like it's kind of like Uber Eats right you know right. like oh my god anybody does that who would like who wouldn't love McDonald's being delivered to your door but when you go to McDonald's you usually spend five bucks but it's going to cost you sixteen dollars yeah Right. to get a 10-piece ten 10-piece uh, nugget to your door. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the same what's going to happen with uh, with marijuana once it becomes legal and there's yeah. all these intricate systems. Right. Um, but, hey, I mean, if, if you still have the desire to want it, it's great. It's going to create a lot of a lot of revenue. Yeah, absolutely. We, we yeah. talked a lot about that in our first episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah. All right. We rolled on for a bit here. There's, a, there's a lot of content. Yeah. In this yeah, time. we're about an hour and 20 in, so we yeah. can wrap it up if you guys yeah, want. It's absolutely. usually longer than we go. Yeah. yeah. We'll wrap, wrap, it, it wrap it up right here. NSFW Podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Instagram is nsfw.podcast. Twitter is nsfw underscore podcast underscore. Episode four dropping soon. Stay tuned. More coming at you. Thanks, Thanks for coming out, Angel. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Yep. And um, I just want to add to all the listeners, if you want to keep up on uh, on Middle East politics or any kind of politics, I am active on Twitter mm -hmm. um, at angelobech. Um, and um, hopefully you guys can follow me. Hopefully I'll be on again soon. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome, man.